Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. accepted the terms of this recording daniel got it awesome welcome to target practice on episode 30 come on daniel help me out here 37 37 i'm pretty proud of us 37 episodes so far yeah yeah and we took three months off was it that long yeah it was a full three months to get our to like kind of reassess what we were how we were processing our content yeah. That's the way to say it, right? Yeah. Okay. I like that. Well, I'm glad to be back. I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. It's been really fun. It's been fun hearing the feedback I'm getting from folks. And this is a great gift to get to do this with you. It's really cool. I, I have to say it enriches my life extremely. To, you know what? It's, it's a great conversation mm-hmm. piece. And people get really excited. That's the one thing I liked about Joe Rogan when he said that everyone should do a podcast. He was like, everyone should do a podcast. And I totally agree with that. Yeah. It, I mean, it may, I mean, part of me wishes I had never stopped because I started five years ago mm. and, and wish I had continued the momentum because it was something speaking to me a long time ago. But ho-hum, que it's not, it, I think people think that it might, maybe it's an e- egotistical thing. Like you presume that you have something to offer, but it's, it's almost like, it's so worth it just to do it for yourself. Oh, know? I'm it's, I feel like I have insatiable person curiosity. Like I want to know what makes you everyone do. tick and, yeah, you do and that. I want to hear about their childhood and I want to hear about their traumas and I want to hear about their, their well, wins. I was born in Minotilan, Mexico. I appreciate you asking. No. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to talk about that? That was, oh, I feel like it. something we teased at the very beginning and like the, in the very, very first prologue episode. No, it got tricky because of the book. I, I asked some people like, do, should we do a podcast yeah. around this story that I've lived? You know, I mean, you're not joking. You were born in Mexico and that's why I'm getting excited. And that's why I'm like, no, I have yeah. a good story to tell for sure. Holy it's shit, just that man. in telling that story through a podcast, you give away the ending and then it makes you, it potentially makes it less interesting for agents to want to publish or help you publish a book. Wild. And that's what we're trying to do, right, Ron? Yeah, it's true. It's true. We are trying to publish. You're going to tell the whole story of your your um, cowboy, no country for old men, Western on the podcast? Oh, yeah, it's good. I'm a good point. Good point. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. But maybe there's a way to shoot the gap. I think we should figure that out. This needs there, there is a line that needs to be walked, and maybe you just start with the origin, at some point. Yeah, just the beginning, because I think the beginning is the hook, the freaking sharpest barbed hook. Like once that thing gets in your oh, mouth, it's not coming out. Like what happened to my mom in 1983? Is that and what you about? and just the yeah, mm-hmm. like the first maybe maybe from you know 1980 to 83. Well, I think we told that story on the on grief. Oh yeah, on grief. That's right. So yeah, but you know what we need to do maybe is do it because because you and I with this podcast, right? We're still not still. I will probably always will be refining and exploring the potential of having a platform of creating a platform like this. You know, right? Yeah, and 
and I think another one of our, and we have a lot of little ideas, right? They use the little dog walk. Like we have oh, a yeah. dog, the yeah, dog yeah. walk episodes that we haven't done yet. Yeah. Those are going to be cool. Um, and for listeners, it's just a little tease. Ronald takes his dog for a walk every evening and he, and we have, and he'll call me sometimes. He calls people sometimes on that person. And we have really good conversations. They're a little more loose, a little more, you know, a little shooting from the hip and they're really fun and we laugh a lot. And so we thought maybe we could do an episode and, and have a, a conversation around a topic while he's doing that. And uh, probably I'm into called. this. <laughs> we need to do you bought the gear too. Every, yeah. everybody wants to hear what i'm thinking at 9 p.m tonight <laughs> walking around <laughs> sometimes you smoke a little pacololo you know and a little bit like, a little bit like, happens maybe sometimes. i've had a whiskey or two you know yeah yeah <laughs> we were the smartest men we've ever met in our life but anyways i i think that another one of our little you know we could do try a sequential like a sequential um se- like a little series a series a mini series mini series a mini series. I like that idea. Well, I know who we've got coming on. He's going to be coming on in a few minutes here, but why don't you, why don't you tell us, give us a little, a little hint of what we're about to step into. Yeah. Colin Daring. Actually, what about those quotes that you were just reading? I thought that was really cool. He was posting those quotes on Instagram and a lot of them really resonated with things that we care about or align. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, a couple were hitting me. Uh, You were born with wings. I prefer to crawl through life. Come on, man. I love that. I didn't hear you say, actually, actually not my favorite one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? That's so funny. Yeah. It's like five for five and all the ones that you read before. You didn't like that one? <laughs> I don't, Come on, You're born Daniel. with wings. Jesus. Why crawl Come on. It's a little bit like, you know, like, uh, I don't want to, I don't know. I'm not going to. Not gonna say How about this? When we suffer more often in our imagination than in reality. I mean, That's isn't true. that the damn truth? That's like that quote that says a, a coward dies a thousand deaths. Huh. You know what I mean? Because huh. they're always thinking about the thing they're afraid of and they experience yeah. it over and over. Yeah. I, I heard uh, anxiety the other day referred to as a conspiracy theory about yourself. <laughs> Maybe huh. the result, the result of a conspiracy theory yeah. about yourself. I uh, got some more for you. Um, whatever you aren't changing, you're choosing. Remember that. Yeah. See, that's a good one. That one's tough see, because that's that's one, really that one's like, you got to own your life. I mean, exactly. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. that, and, and maybe that's an extreme way to say that. And maybe it's not 100% true, right? But it speaks to, maybe it could be tweaked a little bit it, to take the edge off of things that you just can't change. Like, I can't change that I'm, yeah. you know, not six foot three. You know what I mean? Hmm. There's certain things you just can't change. You could change your perspective on it and the way you feel about it. But what I do like about that is that there's, I do think, Ron, there's so much that we can change and that we are choosing that we think we're not choosing and that we, and that people maybe complain about and bring, take the power back. Break that down for me a little bit. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of following you, but I'm, um, something feels. Okay. Well, like. Like you think about something, something in your life. And as, as we talk, maybe we can come up with an example, but there's something in my life that maybe I complain about. Like I have, maybe I have to take care of somebody, a family member, and I don't, I don't like doing it. And I can complain about it. Mm. <clears throat> and may, maybe it's something I can't change. I can have to still have to do it. But what I can change is the way that I feel about it, way I respond right. to it. And maybe some of the supportive things around it maybe i can change that in such a way that i don't 
I, that I do enjoy it more. It's more integrated into the rest of my life and aligns with what I want to do with my life. But at the very least, I can change my my perspective on it, my take on it. That's what that Viktor Frankl thing was all about. Yeah. You know, yeah. he went to Auschwitz and realized the one thing that the Nazis couldn't take away from him was his response to what they were doing with him. That's fucking gangster. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, now I'm following you. I'm following you. I get it now. That's, <clears throat> that's interesting. I was listening to um, Brene Brown interview Jason Sudeikis and his writing partner for Ted Lasso oh, today. Awesome. Really? Brene Brown interviewed them? Dude. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like no one should ever record a podcast again after that episode. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, it, it, it's not. I mean, it, what, what's fun is hearing these guys really quickly talk about how much of the show is about their relationship, their personal relationship, and their kind of cultural relationship with, you guessed it, guilt and shame. And, mm. and how Damn. they had such an insight into that the lack of that in different cultures. So they both lived for extended amount of time in Amsterdam. And there is like a anti guilt and shame culture there, like a, like a zeitgeist. Really? And Brene was like chimed in. She's like, Oh yeah. The most American emotions that exist are guilt and shame. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Man. Amsterdam. and I think about that, well, you know, there's a whole, you can, they, they go on breaking that down with Amsterdam, why that's a culture in Holland. Um, in the words of Jules from Pulp Fiction, I'm going, man. There's all, that's all, <laughs> all there is to it. I'm fucking going. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. What so would I, you say? I, well, I, I think it ties back to this and that um, you can change how you feel about something. And it might take some rewiring. It might take some... <clears throat> a hard reboot in some way it might take yeah. like gentle constant pressure over years and years but you can change it and and, and extreme radical accountability you oh, can't play now. the victim Hit me with that one yeah you yeah. can't play the victim like i one time i was and and i hear you like mm. this gets dicey right because mm. one time i was talking about depression with someone and I was, and I didn't, this was a few years ago, and I didn't have as much kindness and awareness around this discussion. Hmm. And I kind of hinted a little bit, like subtly, that, that, that they had some, they might have a little bit more control over their, over their experience of depression. Yeah. And they got fucking pissed. They yeah. were like, how dare you say that? I suffer this. And, you know, I'm going to, it was just like, yeah. You know, yeah. we didn't continue the conversation. And yeah. It didn't get into an argument or weird. But I did realize, like, she was very protective of her depression. And it was yeah. like something. And even even that word, it, the best way to start, um, I think, a really subtle, strong way to start to separate oneself from the being possessed and controlled and overwhelmed by things is to stop saying that it's your depression and your mm. anxiety. You know, it's my depression, my anxiety, my right. this, my that. Just say it's my experience of that. You know, mm. and it just creates a little gap, a little distance for you to get a little wiggle room and take your power back. Mm. Mm. And it makes it said, temporary. Man. Yeah. Something moving through you instead of something you're hanging on to. Yeah. You know, I think that that's powerful. Maybe there's, I don't mean to be disrespectful, people like ownership over their experience, but like, it, it's just that now you're, now it's your experience. It's still yeah. your experience. It's just not your depression. It's your experience yeah. of depression. Maybe that provides a little room to go. Bye-bye. I think, I think. I uh, have been around a fair amount of like actually clinically depressed people. And I think 
your friend or acquaintance, whoever it was, has probably had the kind of experience where it feels like they've done absolutely everything they can to change. And, and, um, and in my culture where I grew up, it was, um, the, the way out of depression was prayer and asking God to take it away. And when you have this faith, I'm, and this is totally my experience, not your friends. I don't know what their experience was like, yeah. uh, but there's another layer of shame on top of that just experience because then you start asking God for it to go away and it doesn't go away. Mm. And, and then you start thinking, well, something's wrong with me. God doesn't like me. God doesn't approve of me. This is my burden to carry any number of those things. So I can, I can see, and then, then it turns into resentment and all kinds of other crazy shit. And so I can see your, I can see why someone would feel such ownership of something like that after going through who knows what they've gone through to try to deal with it. I get that too. And I have yeah. been overwhelmed by a mental illness. My, the, my experience yeah. was anxiety and it was long lasting. Well, not f- consistently through years. Um, yeah. But I do get that. I can't emphasize. And I've experienced depression. It was not chronic, but I experienced the level that would make you want to just not live anymore. Sure. And if you were, if I were experiencing that for more than a few days or more than a few weeks or all day, you know, I get that you're out and I'm done. Yeah. And and it's a, and you have no, you don't feel like you have any power to get out of it. Like I've experienced that. Um, I've also experienced getting out of that, but I, my experience of depression was not a chronic thing. It was not yeah. like, you know, I, I, when I did try something and do something, it usually eventually worked. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So I hear you. And if it is that place, fuck it. You know, if you want to say it's, it's my depression, yeah. you're just like, I, you know, and tell people to F off if they think that you can just get out of it. Right. Fair enough. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's, it's so similar. I mean, I've real, as I've gotten older, I've realized shit. Sometimes our brain is, is it's just as inoperable as, you know, yeah. a fucking gene expressing itself as cancer or something in us that, that like, you know, it's a it sick, change. disgusting luck of the draw. Yeah. And um, that's tough as shit, man. That's I wonder really what, tough. I wonder what our man uh, Colin Darren would say about this. You know, I'm 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 eager for him to get on and tell me. It, it's like, I wonder. I'm curious what he has experienced in life because that's the thing about him that's interesting. Is he's doing yeah. all this incredible physical stuff. Yeah, and he's not twenty or thirty. You know? Do you know how old he is? I don't, and I don't want to age him. Yeah, but he's he presents and you look at him and you're like, you've lived. Man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and uh, some decades. And I wonder what he's gone through, you know? And I wonder what, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious. I'm really curious about that too. I'm curious, like how he's, um, I'm very curious about that. Cause I think there's like, if you are getting to whatever age he's at and thriving the way he looks like he's thriving, like you've learned how to do some fucking mental spiritual jujitsu <laughs> on top of the physical stuff you're doing. I got a lot more questions about that. Maybe we can come back to it on the um, either a different episode or a different thing. But Colin Dude. is here. Awesome. Are you ready for our guest? I love it. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Colin mm-hmm. Derry, you are a world-renowned kettlebell instructor. You fell in love with fitness during your military service and have now been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. Though you do teach a simple at-home workout series, you also have perfected and refined a series of advanced kettlebell sequences. You believe in eating well, smiling more, varying one's training, investing in oneself, that all you need is less, 
and in upholding the well-being and longevity of the pack. Welcome, Colin Daring. Oh, man. Let me, let me clap that out. Yeah, I'm going to clap on that one, too. That's good, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what, I think we need a round of applause every time you read one of those, Daniel. That's good. Well, you know what? Maybe the key is good. keeping them a little shorter because that one felt like it, you know, it just yeah. got to the point, said the thing, and now we're off. Let's talk dude, about you that. nailed it. Wow. Colin Daring is your real name. That's you were talking correct. to us about it a little bit beforehand. Right. You got dared a lot in high school. Yeah, it was junior high school, high school. Mm. Um, once once people kind of find out my last name is Daring, it'll be like, yo, I dare you. And I would, growing up in New York, you had to have a little edge, and I yeah. would live up to that daring last name. Um, I have an older brother. Okay. And he was, for lack of a better word, he was a tough guy. He was in the street. So I was okay. always kind of aspired to be, Sure. Like my brother. So I was always standing my ground and not taking any shit and just, I just lived up to that name. So that daring name is, uh, it, it rang some bells for a little while. Out here. Man. Yeah. Nice. Well, how did you, how did you survive that? Was it, did you, was military spirituality working um, out? What, what like got I, you out of that? What kept you from, from going down that darkness? My, because, because I'm the youngest, I have a brother, a okay. sister in the middle. And I'm the youngest one. My brother was hard-headed. Streets got to him young. Fast life. He's he's a good guy now. Jobs mm. trucks cross country, which is good for him because it keeps him away from people. Good. <laughs> um, so, right. My sister, on the other hand, was super brilliant. Mm. Skipped schools, skipped grades in school, graduated wow. early. Um, was was in med school. Uh preparing to be a doctor. So we the, the, the thing was always going to be like Dr. Darren, but then she just mm. kind of burnt out. It was too much. And then she just ended up being a, a registered nurse. Yeah. Me Which on is a the legit other, hard job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So me on the other hand, I was always be like your sister, not like mm. your brother. Mm. Growing up, my, my parents are back. I'll give you a little bit of history of my background. My parents are, are from Jamaica, hardworking, um, migrated from, they went from Jamaica to England, I was born in England. Everybody moved to America. So my family was always hardworking. There's always a, a, like a cliche of a Jamaican having like 10 different jobs. Like that uh -huh. was their thing. <laughs> so, um, which is kind of like what I do now. So it was always like, um, be like your sister, not like your brother. So I was always fighting to get my own identity oh, in yeah. the house growing up. So I was like, I want to be like me. Yeah. Um, which kept me um, always trying different things and doing different things. And my mother and father was always not wanting me to get caught up in the street life. Cause it was, yeah. we're talking late eighties, early nineties. It was a big drug explosion in, in mm -hmm. where we were from in Brooklyn. And, and ironically, my brother was actually helped kept me off of the street. Because if he saw me hanging out on the corner, he would say, get off the corner. He was like, until you can beat me, then you can't hang out here. Whoa. So because he had such a heavy reputation being in the street, he would threaten everybody on the corner. If they saw me on the corner with them, they would get beat up too. So I couldn't hang out on the corners. Started putting me in the parks, um, working out, training. I was big into like BMX, bikes, tricks, stuff like that. <laughs> that right? I was always in doing some sort of uh, tricky, tricky something. Yeah. 
and my parents, um, I remember having, I won't say I was a weird kid, but I always wanted to be different. That was my yeah. thing. Yeah. I remember having a unicycle at a really young age. And it was like, I wanted a unicycle so bad for Christmas. Amazing. And I got a unicycle. So then I would have, I would be the kid on the block. I had a unicycle. <laughs> could ride like a, yeah. a wheel for a whole entire block length. So that kind of kept me um, out of the street life, the dark road, I would say. Yeah. And I really wasn't good in school because I just didn't like school. Maybe I had like ADD at the time, but you know, you wasn't getting diagnosed yeah. back then. You just like, oh, it's a bad no, kid. Right, totally. So um it's just a bad kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so um I remember my father saying, if you if you're not gonna be brain smart, you have to be physically smart mm. or physically strong. Cause the types of jobs that you're gonna get if you're not gonna be smart. It's going to be a physical job, like contracting, something like that. So yeah. he wanted me to get stronger. He brought me a weight bench. And that was my introduction to fitness. Whoa. Okay, I'm going to ask yeah. you a question. Did, okay. did that insult you? Not but, at all. That's amazing. Man, Not you at have, all, because it, my father's concept was, um, he was he was hard on all the kids to be book smart. Mm. You had to read. We would, um, if the TV was on too long, we'd be like, turn off the TV, go read a book. That was his thing. Hmm. So along with that, he was saying there, there, there are different types of jobs that you're going to have. My father was a, uh, he was a mechanic, airline mechanic. He worked hmm. for, um, I think it was like TWA for years. Okay. So he would say, if you can't read a book, learn a trade. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So he was like, if you're going to learn a trade, you have to be physically strong in trade work. So we're talking carpentry, mechanic, um, plumbing. Yeah. And he would teach me all of these things. So he was like, if, you can't, you, if you're too weak, you can't run, turn a wrench. If, you can't, if you're too weak, you can't drive a nail. Mm. So he was always saying you have to get physically strong and mentally strong. Mm. And they, he, he knew early on that the two work together. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. The it's like toughness drove your physical toughness. It's funny too. It's like turn off the TV and read a book. I don't want to read a book. Good. You don't want to read a book? Learn a trade. It's like yes, <laughs> exactly. the next thing. You know, fine. That's I'll such, roll with that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's exceedingly good advice. I mean, that's really right. really good advice for your dad. Not, is he still with us? Your dad's still alive. He's not. He's oh, not. Man. He passed. Yeah. Man, that's kind of like um, even though he's passed a long time, he was. Everybody still talks about him to this day. Mm. It'd be like, uh, oh, your father this, or, oh, Uncle Sonny, if my cousins would, mm. his name was Sonny, it'd be like, Uncle mm. Sonny said this. And he would always, he always was a knowledgeable, um, he was, he always felt grumpy to me. <laughs> but when I talked to other people, they'd yeah. be like, yo, your father loved <laughs> you so much. He was always talking about you. Oh, and I'd be like, yeah, you never told me. But, it, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of like in hindsight. Yeah. Um, looking back at all the little lessons he would teach me that that really just kind of has me well-rounded today. So Colin, I was going to say, uh, mm -hmm. me and Ronald were looking through your Instagram together uh, earlier yeah. today. And mm -hmm. um, you have, you know, you post quotes every once in a while like, yes. like that. And you you do seem to have a strong sense of, uh, I don't know, you seem, 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 to, seem to recognize and have some wisdom. Yes. And I'm uh, curious, you know, we got the fitness, you got the skill. You know, um, how, can you just tell us a little bit about how that other part aspect of you has grown over the years? Wow. Um, I grew up in church a lot. Mm -hmm. 
um, different religions for some reason. My mother was was Baptist, and then we spent some time in like a Catholic religion, and a lot of my friends were Muslim. So there was always a cross of religious aspects. And I think over the years, I, I um, and my wife, her, her family is Southern Baptist. And it seems like every other uncle was a preacher, oddly enough. Wow. Yeah. But I always felt like, not to get too deep or too crazy. I always no, felt I'm into like, it, dude. Yeah. I always felt like religion was was almost a tool to separate people more than bring them together. Sure. Um. Uh, in Brooklyn, there's a heavy Jewish Orthodox community, yeah. and and even within the Jewish Orthodox community, there are two separate Orthodox communities in Brooklyn. So you would mm. see different religions all over all over Brooklyn because I'm I'm a Brooklyn native. Um. So after kind of dabbling in or listening to each religion, it brought me back to being more spiritual and more um, universally grounded within mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And I just think like everything's connected in some way. Like, um, yeah. say like a six degrees of separation. You're, I always feel like you're always one person away from meeting who you really want to meet. So I'm always interested to talk to sure. and meet other people because like some, some people say I'm too open or too inviting, but mm. I always feel like that one person that you speak to may know somebody else that who you're really supposed to be speaking to mm. That's cool. or, mm. or, or enlightening to somebody else to maybe um, having them see. You. So I think my, my, I've turned more spiritual, I would say mm. more grounded, um, I meditate every morning and I don't do anything before uh, I kind of meditate. I, I call it like putting on my mental armor Yeah. because uh, I noticed that it, the days that I, maybe I slip up and I don't meditate and I see something and it affects me the wrong way. And I just kind of hold that energy pattern throughout mm-hmm. my day. What's so your, what's your, tactically, what's the meditation that you do? Like, what do you like, or the array or, or like, you know, a couple of different ones that you do. I've been hooked on, um, this is app called an insight timer. Oh yeah. I got that. Yeah. So yeah. I just go to like guided, um, 20 minutes and I randomly pick. Yeah. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it always feels like when I'm, when, sometimes I'm in there searching. So I, I would like, on a day, I'll be like, I want to be grateful. So I would look mm. for a gratitude meditation. Mm. I want to be more grounded. I would look for a grounded meditation. And then then sometimes I would just randomly scroll and I, and then something looks good, I'll hit it. And it always feels like it's what I needed for that day. Mm. You know, uh, when we were going through your some of your quotes you were posting, the mm. one that I, I like, like, it's kind of up in my life, uh, has mm. been for quite a while. I really appreciate it and enjoyed it. And this was saying in a different way. It was essentially um, talking, speaking around what you can change. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what was the quote, Ronald? It was like you can change uh, anything. Oh, anything that whatever you, you aren't cho- changing, you're choosing. You're choosing, Remember and that. yes, yes. I feel like that just gives yeah. the power back in whatever way is possible to mm-hmm. people. You know, my my, fa- my favorite. <laughs> 
is um Masimoto, the 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 the, the samurai. Yeah. And his thing was, um, you don't need anything outside of yourself. Mm. Like everybody's always searching for something else to complete them where they really don't need anything else outside of themselves to make them whole. And I think a lot of people are caught up on, um, they need that flashy car they need that jewelry and it makes them who they are, but you, it's, it really doesn't. How do you relate that to that quote about um, anything that you're not changing, like you, you're choosing? <clears throat> I would relate it to, uh, say, you're in a, say you're in a relationship yeah, and it's a, it's abusive relationship. And you know it's abusive, but you stay in that relationship. So then you're you're making that choice to not get away. Yeah. So then you're 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 choosing that relationship for yourself. Potentially because you think you need it to be whole. Right. Or yeah. or not even that you need it to be whole. You don't want to look like you failed in some sort of aspect to everyone else. Yeah. Like some yeah, every, everybody seems to be so. Um, not wanting to look like what they truly are. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're, okay. okay That's okay. cool, back man. Out. I know, I'm thinking about you, Ron. Let's sit back on this one, man. Okay. Say about this. So a, a, a big reason this podcast <clears throat> exists is because I believe, I don't even know if I've vocalized this exactly the way I'm about to say it to Daniel in the past, is, is um, men... Are, or I believe men are in a constant process of refining themselves continually. And I think the best place to do it is in the company of other men. And yes. you have the, the Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Yes. And, and I, I've never mentioned that to Daniel, but it has been in the back of my mind for the last year or in some change that we've been doing this or year that we've been doing this. And, and when I saw that today, I read it to Daniel. I said, Daniel, this is our relationship this year, man. And this is what's been happening as we've been having folks like you on the podcast mm-hmm. where I'm hearing you teach and you are refining, you're sharpening me, right? Life dulls us. Life dulls the, the parts of us that are being used all the time. And that needs, it needs tender care. Sharpening something is, is a, is a tender process. You can jack it up, right? Definitely. Yeah, but then <laughs> you that huh? you know then that process of like over and over and over again having these kinds of conversations sometimes about the same stuff we talk about all the time, but it needs to happen. Right. And for me, man, I grew up in a church culture like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist minister. My mother, you know, was basically a, a minister. I went to school to be a minister, mm-hmm. and and that path, you know, I didn't go down that path, but I. Right. In that process, man, I lost myself because I was trying to do everything everybody wanted me to do. My dad left us when we were little. So it's like, you know, that three to five year gap when something happens like like that, like every kid thinks it's their fault, even though they may not even say it. So they're trying to act in a way to keep them safe. They're trying to act in a way to keep mom and dad happy, to keep the teachers happy, the pastor happy, all those things. And I was just telling Daniel, man, like sometimes I'm talking and I'm like, I don't even know how to let the real part of me out. Right. I, right. Like, like, right. 
I have no access to that, that, that part of myself that really is the one that I want to be. And and as I'm hearing you, I'm like, oh, this is how it happens. Like I talked to Colin and a small layer of my false self comes off and Mm -hmm. a true layer kind of comes to the surface or I have these conversations with Daniel a lot. We're we're very close. Uh-huh. And it happens that way, man. I really appreciate that. Do you experience Daniel, that? Do you know what we're talking about? Like, because I, I feel like what you're saying, Ron, is is rampant in the world. You know, yeah. Like we have yeah, yeah. the the. There's all this conversation around. There's the shadow self that we don't right. want to let out. There's the persona right. that has to keep everything cool. You know, there's alter egos. You know that people people uh, some people like create a an alter ego. And then yeah, what what me and Ron have been talking about late, a lot lately is like. I've got some shitty parts of myself that just, they want to live, you know, and there's a way for them to live appropriately in this world. What does that look like? You know, right? that's just another discussion. We didn't think about, we would talk to you about, but that's been on our mind a lot. Do you, do you have some like something to say about that or some awareness around that? Man. um, I think, I think for men in general, we, we tend to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. a lot of different aspects interesting ourselves interesting um men more than like women are kind of is that i would say definitely men more than women because men have men have um especially in today's society there's so much pressure on men to be like this grand man i you know it's like the 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 dimensions have changed it's like you got to be the provider you got to take care of everybody and there's nobody saying, um, let's let's help take care of you. You have to do everything and then and nobody's looking out for you in the aspect of who are you leaning on, unless you have a good friend that you can lean on. And then it's almost like when you go to lean on your friend, you don't want to show a weakness mm. per se, because it takes away from you being that man. Am I, am I, am I, did I say that right? I'm following I'm you. Sure do you, do you, really, do you believe that though? Cause I don't believe that. Like I don't, I believe us and I, I don't get the impression you do, but like, I think mm-hmm. a discussion around what a whole man, like a man, and I don't even really mm-hmm. use the word man as much as just adult, right. you know, an yeah. adult human. Yeah. That's so. what I've been saying lately. I've been adulting a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And part of adulting yeah. is like crying, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, Ronald and I have that relationship where, you know, we've, we've broken down in mm-hmm. front of each other. And I think we actually value doing that because, there's something about someone else witnessing that part that, that vulnerability. feels important. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels important. Yeah, it's just about to say if I if I have a superpower, if there's any any part of me that feels extra outside of myself, it's it's being able to access my vulnerability and and admit admit the pain I'm feeling at least. I may not be able yes. to access like the real part of me mm-hmm. the way I want to, but admitting that I'm that I'm suffering or in pain or don't have the answer is is has gotten easy for me and i think right. that's I, it, you know some of that's it, my church upbringing some of it's just me wanting to change <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and i think that's what i that's what i mean by compartmentalizing is yeah. when those feelings arise we just kind of box them yeah. and put them on the side and then there's a bunch of different boxes that we have that we need to <laughs> open and kind of Hell look yeah. inside and, yeah. and deal with and i think yeah. um for me, last month was 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 really weird. Like mm. I was feeling mm. so just drained. 
from from I get a lot of side conversations um, from from other men, just people in general, just saying, "How do you do it? How do you stay focused? Um, how how do you keep up your training? How do you keep yourself up?" Yeah, and I'm always like giving advice, giving my point of view, um, kind of explaining my structure for a day in my life. And it just felt like I was giving out so much yeah. that I was just, just drained completely. Yeah. And I felt myself kind of just drawing in and, and stepping back and, and not being as outgoing and not posting. Mm-hmm. And, and I really just kind of sat back and, and was really being still and trying to see what it was. Yeah. And I think it was, it was, um, I had to open that box of saying, I couldn't mm-hmm. be all things to all people. And I had to yeah. really just say, to say, um, no, I don't have the time right now. Yeah. Or because I'm usually like, all right, I'll make time. And, and my day was just being so sporadic that I wasn't having mm. the time for myself other than the 30, 20 minutes that I was meditating in the morning. And then right. it was like, my day was just gone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Because normally I would, um, I would have one or two days that I could set aside for myself. Mm. One to just yeah. decompress and want to have my own training for myself. Cause that was my, that was my part of my meditation to get away. Yeah. And I just, I had took on too many clients. I was doing too many things and I just lost it. Just trying mm-hmm. to keep up. Mm-hmm. So this month was, um, I promised myself that I would get back to taking the day, at least one day to just have to myself, my own time, decompress and do whatever I wanted to do. Nice. It's kind of, it relates kind of to what we're talking about with those boxes. I mean, I know that's why you brought it up, but the mm-hmm. way it relates to me or to something that um, I, it's like kind of important I've been curious about is in like Jungian psycholo- psychology, there's the idea of the shadow and, and uh, the ego. And then the, there's like opposites, gender um, aspects of yourself. But another aspect is the persona, right? And that's just that mask yes. we put on like subconsciously yes. as soon as we're around another person, broop, like right. aspects yeah. of this mask go up. And I think what happens a lot and what you're speaking to is that we spend too much time with that mask on, mm. which usually comes up around other people or if we're recording mm-hmm. something that we know other people are going to, and it's fucking exhausting, you know, it's yes. exhausting to this other aspect of ourselves. Yes. Like, fucking put that down, yeah. man. Yeah. I want to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I really tried to, it, I thought it was interesting that you said, um, you sent me the message saying, I was looking for things online about you. And I purposely don't put a lot of information out about myself Mm. because I feel like everybody wants a part of you or to know more about you, about especially about like your, just your personal life. And I had lived, just to backtrack a little bit, I had lived very publicly for about 12 years, my wife and I had a fashion boutique mm. in Brooklyn. The name of it was Pieces. And at the time we were we were breaking into breaking into the fashion industry, we had uh, made a Vogue article in Vogue magazine. Wow. And I think that we were one of the uh youngest black couples to have a, a pioneering um small boutique that was wow. known all over the place. And because of that, um, you know, we were just out in the public eye and everybody wanted to know 
everything about our relationship. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? What are we eating? Where are we going? And it mm-hmm. just, you could walk down the street and be like, hey, that's that's uh, that's the Darren's, you know? And it was just like, mm-hmm. this go round with social media, I said that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, my family on mm-hmm. Front Street. It'd mm-hmm. be just about what you see, and that's just me working out. Um, we have another business. It's a, it's a, it's a, a vegan restaurant. Mm. Cool. And she's chef at the restaurant, and it's called Greedy Greedy Vegan Greedy Kitchen. And we kind of keep them separate, and there's yeah. very little yeah. overlap. And unless we say, "Hey, I'm I'm part owner of Greedy Kitchen," or "Oh, yeah. my my husband's like this kettlebell guy," you would never really know unless you know us. And yeah. we're known like in the New York area, Brooklyn area, as like the couple to be, but for social media wise, outside, you would you would never know. And we mm-hmm. kind of like it like that. It's interesting to see, um, like somebody went to, uh, somebody was eating at the restaurant the other day and she and then she was saying, hey, how's your husband, blah, blah, blah. And um, the guy was big into fitness. So she was like, oh, you work out? Well, maybe you've seen my husband before. And she shows him a picture. He was like, that's your husband? It's like, <laughs> You know this guy, and he was like, "I've seen him." I've seen like, yeah. him he was like, "I can't believe that you even know this man that's right now. now." You're telling me that that's, that's your husband, and, and he was, it, it was it was really um, interesting that we can be so close and people just don't know, and that's how that's how funny it is with like social that's, media. Only people only know what you put out, and if you're not putting out a lot, it's just they won't know anything other than what you let them see. That's kind of like what Ronald and I are talking about with uh, we're talking about compartmentalizing and and some things are are compartmentalized and some things are intertwined too much, you yes, know, and yeah. sometimes right. separating things and letting yeah. them have their own lives really lets them flourish, right? But yes. sometimes the opposite, you know, and just figuring out yeah how to how and what and when with one's personality and one's career and one's yeah. finances yeah. and one's romance, you know, it's just it's I'm impressed. I'm impressed because that's not that's not just compartmentalization. What you described that's boundaries, like you described boundaries, like healthy boundaries in your life, and and that's another problem with people who don't know themselves is they've got really ugly boundaries. Like we (laughs) overextend on certain things and and then like create walls in other ways so much that we get completely separated from our ability to know who we are. Yes. And, and we yes. want someone to tell us the answer or we want right. to like bulldoze through a problem. Well, Ron, and, is there, are there ways that you like, I'm just curious. I won't put you on the spot for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you said if that's a problem with people who don't know themselves is they don't know how to set boundaries. Yeah. Um, but I know that there's areas in your life that you do that, that we've been talking about a little bit. I'm just Setting curious. Boundaries. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious about a weak spot, not a weak, like a soft spot, place that is ready for improvement for you regarding boundaries. Where's an area in your life, Ron, that you mm. can set better boundaries? That's what I'm saying. Or take a boundary down that needs to get... Yeah, that yeah, that's a good question. Probably, um, I'm because of the awareness I've had around this for the last couple of years, really started, I think, under like really understanding. I knew about, I knew it about myself 10 years ago but I didn't really like understand it and be, and was able to take serious action on it until about two years ago. And for me then saying no to, to job opportunities, friends who wanted to hang out, uh, people who needed help, those kinds of things was like kind of the primary place I began to do that. Mm. And, um, I, 
found value in from other people growing up by being the person who could who could fix shit in emergencies who could think clearly when everything else is melting down and be the guy who could fix the flat tire on the side of the highway you know that would be me wrap up someone's wound (laughs) yeah whatever whatever it is and I've kind of become the default of that in my family. And I don't mm-hmm. mind that some, most of the time. Most of the time, I don't mind that with my family. But I, I'm also seeing now, you know, I've got a son who's 15, a daughter who is nine. She'll be 10 in February. Uh, you know, my wife and I own a business together. We run a business together. And I'm finding that boundaries within my family are where I'm having to, like, that's my next place. Mm. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like shit goes wrong. Everyone's like, well, let's just wait for dad to fix it. And then, oh, like, yeah. It could have been resolved hours ago or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> right. And you just I, remind me I have to fix something. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks, man. Oh, man. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's, it's, a, it's an addiction. I want to talk about addiction a little bit, Colin, because mm-hmm. that, the addiction is I can solve most things. Right? Like, a, like there's this feeling that's like I can fix anything. I can, I can deal with whatever's coming along. And suddenly I'm the hero. And I feel good because everyone's grateful that I did that. But I also said no in saying yes to those to the things in my life that are not going to change unless I give them attention. They're not going to grow unless I work on them. And, and those are my, you know, for instance, my portion of my job with my wife. So my wife and I own a personal development company. She's got her, her, her um, you know, uh, basket of clients. I have my basket of clients. And, and, I'll, and because of my personality, I spend a lot of my time helping her with her side of the business and mm. growing and, and it's work. it's, and, and it needs that sometimes. I don't put the same effort in my side of the business. And I'm, and that's another boundary. I think Daniel is to like put the effort and discipline into growing what my voice, what I want to say, how I want to say it. I, earlier on when I was saying as being the man, Mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about because you're giving yeah. to your wife. Hmm. And at the same time, nobody's pouring that energy back into you. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dilemma, and, man. It's a real, yeah. it's a serious dilemma with men. And I, and I speak to dudes who, who have some version of that story ad nauseum, you know, like, like they're in real estate, they're in, in, uh, they own a, a restaurant, they, like all kinds of stuff, yeah. all kinds, doesn't matter, but it's that same dynamic. Well mm-hmm. said, man. Well said. Mm. And then, and then you're like, even with that, and you may really need that help. You can't complain. You just, you have to suck it up because you're the man. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Daniel right now, because of you, I'm, I'm trying to start to build my like virtual board of directors, like mm-hmm. men that I can call on. Yes. And and ask for advice on any kind of right. weird wacky shit that I'm I would normally be embarrassed. Like I'd be Googling it first. <laughs> and and right. I found out, like, man, that one is talking to a dude as soon as I can mm-hmm. lessens the internal anxiety of what I think it means to have the problem. And and almost, I'll give you almost like almost like a validation that you're not the only one with the problem. Totally, totally. Because everybody is virtually on some sort of level going through the same <laughs> totally, situation. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like coming home and find dishes in the sink every day. And it's like, like, I'm always having to wash the dishes. I'm like, are you washing the dishes? Yeah, they're leaving me dishes in the sink. I'm just like, okay, so I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, that's funny you say that, uh, Colin. It's like, I, sometimes 
I'll be hanging out with someone and I'm like looking at them and they look happy. They seem happy, but I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're stressed and yeah. tired and yeah. frustrated and you're not showing me any of that, but I right. feel like it, one could probably assume that everyone is experiencing all those things to some extent at all times. Yes. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, uh, you know, a couple of clear examples are the, the men's retreat I led in the beginning of September, all these guys, super, super professional, super successful, uh, have great families, you know, it, it, from the outside, from, from the way they present as a family man to the way they're actually dressed, they look good, right? Like it's all mm-hmm. put together, you know, fast forward 12 hours later, we've gone through yeah. a bunch of processing. <laughs> all, all of us are crying around the campfire talking about yeah. that feeling of like, I feel completely alone in this. I don't know who to talk yes. to. I don't know how to talk about it. Right. And, and I've been trying to dismantle that like barrier in my mind by just picking up the phone this week and calling folks and going, Hey man, I've, I've been in a weird fight with my wife this week. Here's the yeah. situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, and just yeah. like you said, like, right. it's kind of universal. It's like, Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've been through something similar and exactly. Oh man. It's so much better. It's, yeah. It's like that because of the, the pressures of society put that put on men, you have to be this grandiose, type of guy that just does everything and not complain. And that's just, it's, it's, it's not easy. I tell, it's, I have a lot of like uh, my two good friends, they're younger than me. And I'm, I'm sort of the mentor. Uh, one just bought a house, one just had a baby. Hmm. So um, one had a baby maybe three years ago. And I was like, when you have that baby, that gym shit is over. At least four years, trust me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, nah, I'm gonna still be in the gym, be working out. I'm like, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. That <laughs> is like, I'm telling yeah. you, when the baby comes, it's over. <laughs> At least four years, and you'll probably, you know, be on a comeback trail. So, exactly what I said happened, happened. Yeah. So then, my other friend just had to <laughs> And we're both telling him, when you have that baby, it's gonna be <laughs> no, over. Tell, that's cool, man. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, nah, I'm be still in the gym. And then mm. the one that that already went through it, he said, look. <laughs> OG, they call me OG. Say, OG told me the same thing. Just be prepared. <laughs> that is, it's not gonna happen. And then, obviously, it didn't happen. So he's on the comeback trail right now. But just to have that precursor to just, just to give him the heads up, like this is yeah. what's about to happen. So then, when it does happen, you're not just like it's happening, and I'm all by myself. You could say like, all right, somebody already lived through this. Yeah. And if they made it through, I know I can make it through also. Yeah, I think that, that's what's needed have, to hear. Having someone in your corner, you know, that, like I love that term. A lot of my uh, like uh, um, romantic partners, like uh, they would say this line, I want someone to have my back, you know, or I want mm-hmm. to yeah. have someone's back. Mm-hmm. So right. I kind of, I love that term. And just having someone have your back and what that looks like, I think is an interesting thing too. Last night mm-hmm. I, I had kind of a difficult conversation with, it was like not a breakup conversation, but it was someone I had been dating and we hadn't had a closure conversation. So we're going to go have this closure conversation, right? <laughs> My friend, I kind of do too now. <laughs> but like, you know, me and Ron talk about adult things on here and like fancy ourselves you know it's like we're doing a good job in life you know treat people well and and uh and we're treating people even better and and um thriving in life you know in all the ways and just like it's like kind of like yeah it's like i got this i feel like i got this i can do this with my with my people and and the support and i fucking totally failed this (laughs) conversation 
Like I was, I was like a kid, man. I was like a bratty little kid in moments, not, not over. Couldn't verbalize it. Couldn't verbalize the feeling. I mm, failed. My well emotions said. got the best of me. And I, I did actually make some decent decisions in that didn't turn it into a really bad conversation, like an argument mm. or something, but I just wasn't at my best. That's the point. Mm. I, I wasn't a bratty kid, but I was not at my best. And long story short, I, I like was leaving that and I was just feeling kind of frustrated with myself and sad for her, you know, uh, cause I, I said a hurtful thing, you know, and I basically just walked out on the conversation, the, yeah. the in-person version of hanging up on someone, which is not cool. Right. Um, and, and Ronald texted me or I texted him and I just decided to share that information when normally I probably wouldn't, you know, would have put it in a box. I would have just taken it myself and taken yeah. it down the street and, and, crunched up the paper and like mm -hmm. thrown it away or read it again. You know what I mean? I would have dealt with it yeah. on my own. And so I didn't. And I just like put a little, little bit out for Ron and he sent me back immediately. Hey man, you want to talk? And I was like, I'm sitting in a jazz club right now. I'm, I'm listening to some live jazz. I was just like, I'm, I'm taking this on my own, but it's nice to text. And yeah. he texts back something to the effect of after we, I told him a little bit about what's going on. It was just really supportive. And it was like, it wasn't really speaking to the the parts of me that did not really show up in that conversation. It just concentrated and focused on how I, I did in the ways that I did. And he kind of like patted me on back and he's like, good job. Essentially it could have been worse and you, and you did a good job. And I was just like, that's not what my voice was saying at all. Right. But after I considered it and I didn't want to either, cause I was kind of like feeling a little bit guilty. Yeah. You know, last thing you want to hear when you're feeling that way sometimes is no, it's not as bad as you think. You did a good job. Right. It's like, fuck right. you, no, I didn't. <laughs> but he was right, man. He was right. Yeah. You know, it, it was better than it was a year ago if that same thing mm -hmm. would happen. You know, and right. it's just like I felt like that person had my back, you know, and Ron had yeah. my back last night and it felt good and I needed it. And it made it for an easier night the rest of the night. Right. Yeah, that's nice. I appreciated yeah. that, Ron. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Right. You fulfilled your required public, uh, uh, you know, acknowledgement of this situation. <laughs> I'll give you twenty dollars later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Did I say it right, Ron? <laughs> it's close <laughs> enough. I can edit it, make it sound perfect. It'll be like my bio. People hear every time. Yeah. That's funny, Colin. Uh, you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about um, addiction uh, here and there in your quotes and stuff, and. And I'm a person who uh, doesn't drink anymore. I'm a non-drinker, um, mm -hmm. and I'm that I don't see that coming back into my life. I definitely have a tendency to be all or nothing with things, and in my brain, I don't know if it's the reptilian part of my brain or like mm -hmm. the, the next level up, uh, which is kind of the the still like you know looking for I don't know you know the the next level up, but yeah. it is. Um, birds or mammals or something yeah something, yeah yeah crawling you know the, the animal crawling out of the yeah. <laughs> the ocean whatever that is um so i i mean i identify a lot i don't i don't know if i call myself an addict but i know mm -hmm. that i know what it feels like to not have control over something yes. big time and i think we live in a time where most of us have some form of that in other words we're doing something we don't want to do we're aware mm -hmm. of it and it feels like a compulsion. And sometimes, man, like that is that is um, as innocuous as our addiction to screens and, and then can get even more sinister when we're not only addicted to screens, we're addicted to like the fame of social media yes. or, he, or who knows what it is. Maybe we just want to yeah. like read bad news all the time. Right, you know? yeah. And, 
you know, yeah. and then and then I know you're huge into the, the food world, but then there's the whole American salt, fat, sugar, you know, mm-hmm. addiction column, right? And then there's right. the, you know, we're not even touching drugs or alcohol yet, and yet yeah, those are also rampant. So many things to be addicted to, especially. Um, wow, I would say. Personally, the only thing I'm probably addicted to at some point is going to be that um, hmm, that adrenaline from from working out like that. That would probably that the endorphins that you get after a good workout. Yeah, it's probably something that I'm um, addicted to. Do you think everybody can get can get access to that, or do you think your brain makeup, nerve system is like you you just have a tendency to that? I think everybody has some level of an addiction sort of piece in them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And for me, I'm I'm constantly kind of noticing what I'm addicted to and how to, and, and then it's always kind of like a challenge to turn it off Hmm. for me. Hmm. Um, I would go like a month with, um, say a pre-workout just, just to keep it in a, like a fitness sort of feel. Yeah. I would be like, I need this pre-workout. I got to work out. I won't won't even feel good unless I'm taking this pre-workout. Right. And 30 days to go by and I'll say, you know what? Let's see how you do without it now. Hmm. And then I would would challenge myself not to take a pre-workout. And the first week or two, you're going, I'm feel like I'm going through this sort of withdrawal. Oh, I'm not even performing good because yeah. I don't have the pre-workout. And then that's the part that I'm always, hmm. for lack of a better word, always afraid of to say, yeah. I need to go back and get on this pre-workout. So then I would force myself not to do it. And then, like right now, I've been maybe three months no pre workout, and but then it's like maybe I could I want to try it to see what the difference is. I'm always right. kind of experimenting with with my body that way. Um, yeah. People would ask me what I eat, like what type of protein, and I'm like I'm not taking any supplements right now. So nice. I'll go thirty days on, thirty days off, just to kind of see where my body is, kind of that's awesome. see how it feels, and I'm, I noticed that that's something that I constantly do. Ah, that's hmm. that. I feel like that must be one of the best practices. I've heard that that is a good thing to do. Take breaks mm-hmm. from certain food groups, you know. Take breaks yeah. from this, like anything you do a lot of, just take a break from it. What a yeah. great check, you know? Yeah, yeah. That 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 was always that's something that's always interesting for me. Um, even with alcohol, I, I drink every now and then, but sometimes I would say, oh, I'm not going to drink for 30 days and just mm. kind of challenge myself to not drink. And then I would notice that I would be craving a drink. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, this is, this is interesting because I'm not, you're not paying attention to it until you take it away. Oh, 100%. Anytime yeah. I'm like, uh, no sugar this month. And th- suddenly I'm like, you know, eyeballing the sugar in the, in the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, I did that. I did no sugar for a week. <laughs> and I, I didn't I, for me I would always say oh I don't eat a lot of sugar I don't do this I don't do that yeah. and then I took it out of my oatmeal and my tea in the morning and I was like 
<laughs> I want some sugar in this in this yeah. oatmeal right now. This this sucks, you know. And then um, I I didn't realize it at the time that man, I really needed the sugar, so that I had to really fight for a whole week not to put sugar in in my oatmeal or in my tea. And you I, know it, that pretty hard. Did you notice when you did that? Just a little side note on taking sugar out. Mm-hmm. Every time I've taken sugar out of my diet, mm-hmm. after a little bit of while natural sugars taste really really good like fruit fruit will start tasting good again yes you notice that definitely, yeah definitely it was like um like the blueberries tasted better yeah. the, the bananas were like wow. more of a it really your taste buds kind of really came alive yeah. because that sugar wasn't there to kind of just automatically sweeten anything that not would- with I think Monday I'm gonna do no sugar for a week. <laughs> <laughs> See, Ronnie's cutting for sun, man. Yeah. So this, yeah. the title of this podcast is "Cutting for Sun," and uh, mm-hmm. and that's a, a pretty archaic tracking term. The idea mm-hmm. is that when you're cutting for sun, when you're tracking something, sign mm-hmm. is anything that the animal or person or whatever left behind. The little clues mm-hmm. and, and and little uh, examples of uh, the little like bent twigs and uh, yes. footprint, you know. Yeah. And then cutting that sign is like finding it and then delineating what it means. Mm-hmm. And so we just use it as a metaphor for life. Like the thing that we're tracking is a more authentic, better expressed, more um, uh, real version of ourselves. Let's yes. let's track the little signs that life leaves leaves us, you know, and uh, let's find that and you know, right. become it. And so like, uh, it's like basically finding meaning in life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Meaning. In, yeah. yeah. Colin, my, I, yep. I used to tell people, and I haven't said this out loud in a while, that my calling, uh, my purpose in life is to become as emotionally, spiritually, and physically whole and well as possible and how to teach and then to teach others to do the same. Yes. And um, I'm going to ask you a I personal question. I feel like that's my path right now. That's you your do? path too? You do? Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. feel like... Um, I had a good friend, his name was Rodolfo, and uh, we worked together for a while. And That's he was really, yeah. he was really spiritual, into church, and we would talk, or he would see me talk. I was a manager at like Old Navy or something, and we had this thing called like the one minute meeting. Mm. And I would be doing my one minute meeting and talking, and he, was, and he would just say like, you know what, man, you affect so many people. He's like, I don't know how you're not a preacher. He's like, you should really look at being a preacher. I'm just like, I just, I don't even see myself that way. Yeah. But I've always noticed over the years that people would say, you know, something you said really resonated with me or something I saw you do something. Yeah. You didn't see me watching you, but I saw what you did. And that really resonated with me. Um, So I kind of feel like, back to what you said, that's kind of like the path that I'm on um, mm. organically, not yeah. not mindset to do it. Mm. Um, mm. That's just just who who I like to be. Um, this well, is I, I don't I know if you're like aware of this in yourself, and maybe you are. I think the reason people feel that way about you, and I'm going to just general, I'm going to I'm going to mm. totally assume, and it may be completely yeah. wrong, is is you just described in the last few minutes your ability to have integrity with yourself and and you're, like you're able to say like i want to do this mm-hmm. i'm going to recognize the difficulties and then i'm going to do it yeah, like quitting, that's not with quitting stuff yeah quitting stuff yeah. like being able yeah. to stay on on point working out being able to stay on point with food dude 
99.9% of us like cannot control how we eat and consume things. And like, it feels, I, it, 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 I haven't had uh, red meat in maybe 30 years. Holy moly. I ate and the I biggest, think, juiciest steak last night ever. <laughs> wow. And, and I think, um, I think learning to cut, um, the first thing I cut out of my diet was pork. I had some friends that were Muslim and they were like, oh, you shouldn't eat pork, it's bad for you, blah, 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 don't eat pork. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna eat any pork. And my father's mm. Jamaican, he's like, man, pork is like the sweetest meat ever. Are you crazy? Yes. Yeah. So, he would, so he would say, uh, sweetest I never know, my father would say, um, uh, you won't eat pork until you're starving. And he said, you have too much. Mm. So you have a good life to sit here and say that you're not gonna eat a certain type of food means that you got too much in life. Like, Whoa. so he's like, that's good for you. So he was yeah. happy with the fact that oh. I had got, he had gotten to the point where I was comfortable saying no to something. Wow. So just real quick to clarify, you're saying that, that when you told your father you weren't going to eat pork, he saw that as a sign, a sign of abundance that you could choose. You didn't have to eat that. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. cool. Is that your dad? Yeah, he was saying that you, he was like, you you got to you have too much of life where you <laughs> can make a choice. Mm. And he didn't equate it to um religion or anything. And I was like, well, you, you know, there's a lot of religions where people don't eat pork. And he was just like, Well, you're not in that religion. He's <laughs> like, so you're making a yeah. conscious decision yeah. Yeah. to say I'm not gonna do to eat this. But he yeah. also wasn't guilting you, like, oh, you have no. so that, yeah. That's no, why I thought you were going with it. Yeah, like, that's he wanted cool. me to really see the big picture of what I was doing. Wow. So wow. that led me to not eating beef because mm. he had made pork chops and he had seasoned it with this gravy and it looked like a steak. So at the time I was still eating steak. So I had I had ate the pork chops and at that time I hadn't had pork in maybe a year or so. Mm. And I had the, the my I was violently upset, like sick. And you didn't even know it was pork. I didn't know when you pork. got sick. Right. Oh, so wild. a couple of days later, I said, Dad, man, I said, um, something was wrong with that steak. That meat was no good. So he was like, What what steak? What are you talking about? I was like, You made steak the other day, and I got so sick. And he was <laughs> like, Boy, that wasn't steak, that was a pork chop. <laughs> Dude, wild. Wow. Yeah, so That's cool. Saying, so he was saying, um, if you can't tell the difference between pork and a steak, then maybe you shouldn't be eating meat too. <laughs> Your dad, dude, you're a right. supportive man. Yeah. yeah so, so I said, um, you know what? Huh. I'm done eating red meat too. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and that was um, and I and I came off like the burgers and all that other stuff. Whoa. And then I just been um Whoa. that was like my first introduction into like being vegan, which now, now I'm, I'm not totally vegan because I've been having like some fish and some chicken. I read this book. Um, I'm way off topic. All right. But I read this book right. and it was called, uh, the blue zones. Oh yeah. And yeah. The blue zones. It was like people that lived to live in these oh, certain yeah. areas. Everybody lived past a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. Now what and, and stuff. Yeah. Right. So parts of Italy. Like, yeah. Right. So, so in these areas, um, they, they didn't eat a lot of meat, but they had three things that were in common. There was some physical aspect, yeah, some spiritual aspect, and there, there was the food that they ate. And in these different areas, based on economy, 
um, what was there provided for them. They, at once, once in a while, they would have some meat or they would have some fish or they would have some chicken. And my daughter is 16 now and she wanted to, she wanted, she's hanging out. Her friends are eating, you know, different foods. And she's like, well, you know, at least, you know, I want to have some chicken or some fish. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to have some chicken or some fish with you. And I didn't, they, yeah. it kind of took me off of that. I'm not eating this. So yeah. I'm not eating that. Like I was never a, like a Bible thumper for being a vegan. Like yeah. you should be vegan. I'm never, I'm always because I always felt like back to, back to my father in the relationship of saying that you've reached a certain point where you don't have to eat something. It's all about, um, your economic structure, mm. what what are you available not to do? So it's 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 expensive eating healthy. So yeah. I <laughs> where <laughs> you yeah. know what maybe you don't have it not to eat this way and you got you still have to survive. So I'm never down on anybody for doing whatever they need to yeah. do. Just make good conscious decisions. I appreciate you yeah. saying that, man. I feel the same way. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want to I, I do I do think it's it's not cool. Uh, and mm-hmm. not respectful for some people who are vegan to judge yeah. people for yeah. eating the food that they can right. afford or, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, you know. Yeah, what I mean. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, to tie, to tie it back to what I was saying earlier, man, like, mm-hmm. like because most of us, like, we whether it's choice or because we don't, it feels like compulsion to eat. Like, we, we, we like, don't have control. When we witness somebody who can, Mm-hmm. just immediately feels like we're around somebody who knows something that we don't and, and who has access to some part of themselves that we don't. And mm-hmm. and we lean in, man. That's why we want to know. That's why like we yeah. see someone like you and you're like, tell me your secrets. Like, yeah. <laughs> like how did you it's, do this? It's more, man, it was, it, it really now, now I'm just, cause it's been so long. I don't even, it's not even in my mental mm-hmm. makeup to say, I'm going to have a burger or I want to, I want a steak. It's just so far gone and removed from my diet that I'm not even, it's never even a thought process to have it. Yeah. That's how I feel about alcohol too. It's like, it doesn't even come up as an option. Colin, does that, does that keep you from the thing that makes me concerned about that? The only thing I've removed for a long time from my diet to any extent is uh, wheat. Yeah. And cause it it was inflaming my lungs for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, you know, just just for a second, it's yeah, a lot yeah. of people that um that are eating foods that are harming them that won't even make the connection yeah. that it's harming them. Yeah, it took me a long time to figure out what was wheat. Yeah, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, um, that was my next question: was how did you figure out that wheat was bothering? Because you wouldn't think that a grain would be harming you because you're told that you need to have. You know that that pyramid that they teach yeah. in high school and yeah. in, in school growing up that you need to eat these certain foods, but it's really just on that pyramid. It's just based on training you to keep the economic structure going. Right. You know, totally. yeah, exactly. Things from the farms. And not you know, only but, that, but it hadn't been hurting me for a long time. Like I was mm-hmm. a distance runner in college, and I ran hundreds of miles. Like I ran a hundred into hundred mile weeks. Like it was a really intense lots of calories and so we would we would eat a lot of pasta and pancakes and stuff like that right yes i, ne- I never had a problem with my lungs lungs i had world-class lungs i mean not mm-hmm. world-class like i was the best runner in the world but definitely right. top one percent of you know you yes run a long ways and pretty fast so lungs were never an issue and then all of a sudden boom within a four or five month period i was living in australia 
and my lungs just started to fill up with yeah. stuff. And I ended up, I was breathing with the top 10% of my lungs. Jeez. I was drowning. I could barely wow, walk. That's scary. I went into the hospital and, and they, I had two uh, severe lung infections. And then for about a year and a half after that, I was like, what the hell happened? Cause it kept coming back after mm. you batten yeah. it down with antibiotics. So I just started removing stuff from my diet. I would just mm. remove something for one month. And right. by the time we, it was wheat's turn, I just felt like I could breathe again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Funny. I mean, I had the same experience just this last week with eggplant. Uh, they're, they're like nightshades, potatoes. Like oh, I, if I eat any of that stuff, I yeah. know the next pizza. The, I know the next day. Like there's a serious, both physiological and mental uh-huh. like shift. Yes. And, and uh, I, I got the blood work done, all that stuff. And I uh, accidentally ate some eggplant and I forgot about it. And I felt right. like garbage the next day. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. how bad it felt. As I understand it too, I think there's, and this is another topic and, and I know we're kind of running up against yeah. some time here, but mm-hmm. just just to at least open the conversation because I do think it's an interesting and important one is mm-hmm. that we have all of these, like like we're living in a traumatic environment, you know, just these the cities tossed up, you know, in a matter of decades yeah. and cars whirling and planes were like the human psyche and body is getting chucked all over this world yeah. at rates yeah. that it had never happened, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's traumatic just living life, let alone the, you know, the abuses that many of us experience through, you know, actual abuse, like you're getting mm-hmm. beaten or you're, you know, there's a lot of like violence out there. So yeah. as I understand it, there's a connection between these traumatic experiences and our immune system and our immune system responds really, uh, or sorry, our brain chem- or body chemistry responds obviously a lot to food and something about trauma our immune system and food mm. that connects. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of discussion and education around it that's happening right I, now. But. I think just on that note, you left out one piece, which is the, the stress levels. The yeah. stress is really what drives your immune down. To wow. I, I feel like the stress level is probably the key component to um your immune system and just, just drains you. Like cortisol uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm fascinated with that connection though. And, and Mm -hmm. like you say, yeah. And then stress level making any, any, your body's capacity to potentially not have your, your immune system Mm -hmm. overreact to foods because of potentially because of trauma in the past. And there's just something going on there with all that discussion. I find pretty fascinating. I think that the trend, thankfully now, and I think you're on the head of that trend, Colin is, is we're understanding that how we feel is, is more connected by what we're putting in our body and what we're making our body do now than it was in the past. Like we thought, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, you're like, I need the stuff. I need the car, the house, the wife, the da, 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 to make me feel that way. Tons of people achieve that and they go, shit, I feel worse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or, 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 you know, like the, the, you don't see um people who don't have a lot committing suicide they're always figuring out a way to kind of just be happy with what they have but then you have people that just have everything and then they kill themselves and you're looking at like you have all this money you have all this fame and you commit suicide you can't even it's like you you can't even imagine what will make them do that yeah and it's 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 so 
having all of those things is just it's just not where it's at. It's, yeah, I, 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 you know, it'd be nice to inspire. You want to live comfortable, but I think that's 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 the main thing. You want to be comfortable where you are, and comfortable with yourself. Yeah. Um, but just to stay on topic of putting what you're putting <laughs> into your body, um, and how it relates to the way you feel. I think uh, being from like a West Indian uh, upbringing, my parents were always. Um, they would be like, oh, you got to drink this certain tea. It'd be like a Cersei tea. And it would be something that would, uh, it would, it would cleanse, like clean your blood system. Yeah. And at the time, I, would, I wouldn't really equate it to what it was for, but it was something that just was handed down to them uh, from their parents that this is, you put, you eat this certain food a certain time of the year. Like we would, um, she would say, hmm. It'd be like going back to school. All summer we were eating junk. So it was like, well, now you got to drink this Cersei tea, and that that would be like, that would be like um, our immune booster to go back to school. Mm. And it was just like traditions of eating certain things a certain time of year yeah. um, to to bring us back just mentally. Or they would say you're eating too much sugar. Look at your skin. Yeah, mm. it's coming out through yeah. your body. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or you you stay off the candy. Stay off the sweets. You're jumping off the you're, you're you're jumping up and down all over the place. Go sit down and then it'd be like go read a book, you know what I mean? Like calm your mind down. Yeah. So that is definitely the relation of what you're putting into your system and how it makes you feel. Something that I learned early on that I never paid attention to, but now as as I'm older in retrospect, it's like all of those good things that I really should be paying attention to is stuff that I'm really starting to get back to. Yeah. 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 You know, I, mean, I feel to, like we could talk two more hours just about parenting and this yes. kind of thing. Like your parents sound <laughs> totally fascinating. What, yeah. Out of curiosity, what part of England were you I, born in? I was born in um, a town called Reading. Like it's right outside of London or something. Yep. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I lived in Birmingham for a couple of years and had some West oh, Indies friends that chilled out with yeah. good folks. Yeah. Uh, man, Colin, I want to like, I could just keep talking to you over and over yeah. and over again. And so uh, I'm definitely going to reach out and just uh, force you to be on my, on a, on um unofficial board of directors okay <laughs> you can also say no, no. Definitely. Definitely. that's I, a good I, way I, to never hear I, from I colin again yeah colin's like block <laughs> i'm gonna force you to be on my board of directors it's like noted and ron is blocked, and ron is blocked from everything <laughs> oh, man. man i i i really appreciate you the what yeah. uh i mean there are a million um fitness influencers on instagram mm -hmm. and i don't even remember how I found you. Um, yeah. But it was your positivity, your emotional, spiritual uh, quality that it somehow finding its way through all that stuff. And yeah. I, I really, I, I really tried to um, the spirit, the spirituality is more letting people know that you can detach yourself from the ego of I need to be the biggest, the strongest, the mm -hmm. best in, in the fitness industry. And it's really kind of just don't worry about the likes, um, the popularity, because I tell my guys, man, it could all be gone tomorrow. And then what, what, what is that? What are you without that? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I really try to focus on. Like, like even though the, the followers has helped me reach out and meet more people. Yeah. Like it, it's got me to, to meet you guys. And I love this conversation, yeah. but at the same time, um, 
I still need to be grounded in the fact that I am who I am with or without uh, Instagram feed. Yeah. And I just need to be myself. What do you, do you agree with the statement? We'll end with this. Do you agree with the statement that health, that health is wealth? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it's like you can have all of those things. And if you're not healthy, how are you going to enjoy yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, solid man. I appreciate yeah. you I was, so much. I was really hoping you just say no. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, Daniel. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> and end no, of conversation. Yeah. I want to say, man, it was um really, really nice talking to you guys. I'm glad I made it on. I was, oh, man, I, was yeah. I set my timer. I had I was <laughs> running around all morning. I was like the alarm went off 30 minutes early. It's like I'm rushing home. I stopped everything I was doing. I'm glad I did it. Hey, you know, uh, especially not having never met us or even talked to yeah. us, you know, to come on and, and open up and not mm-hmm. only just your time, but you know, like we've never met, maybe right. you don't know, we've, we've vibed together. It's just, yeah. And, you know, and I think, it, it I think good, that's, that is the plus side to social media when you do totally. get to just meet new people and genuine yeah, 100%. and just have great conversations like this. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun, man. Yeah, totally. Thank you, man. I, I'm I uh, I'm going to be coming out to New York in the next year and uh, have a couple of friends in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I'd love to come by that restaurant and have a little dinner. I'm, uh, come by the restaurant, come get a workout, do the whole thing. Sounds good, my friend. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Colin. Really appreciate Thank you. you. All right. Appreciate you, so Colin. Much. Take care of yourself, All man. Right. Have a good Thanks, one. man. dressing man that was awesome that was way i don't even know what i was expecting but i was just a lot i was surprised and delighted the whole time yeah yeah what you know i like this uh this habit of of talking to people on here that we have never met (laughs) do we call it we call special episodes like you know (laughs) perfect strangers i suspect that's going to happen more and more you know because i don't know we're doing something cool and and it's starting to like attract people who i don't know I just that was neat that he that he said that at the end that it was valuable to him because he had said earlier in the in the conversation that his time is very valuable. Yeah, and he's giving it away too much. So he totally, gave it to man. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that is a gift to get to, you know. I, I I there's nothing I can add to what he said. I you know, and I I'm almost hesitant to rehash things he said because I don't want to cheapen it or water it down, and. Uh, but but here I go. <laughs> well, just say it in a different way. Yeah, I mean, um, his his. Um, I think when we look at someone like Colin and wonder what their secret sauce is, I mean, I think one of the secret sauces he's got is his parents, and that that shows you that like it matters. It matters. Like your family upbringing really matters. And yeah, if you, you come, a, sorry. Yeah, and if you come from a shitty one, like it's okay to recognize how hard that's been, but then the fix isn't to be mad, continue to be mad at your parents. It's to parent yourself in the way that you should have been parented. And then to decide to be that kind of person for your progeny, right? Like to, to decide to be that kind of man for your kids. And go ahead. Yeah. Good call. I was just thinking, well, one of my favorite parts of his story is when his dad was like, good for you for not eating pork. And then when his dad was like, well, if you're, if you're not eating pork, I forgot why exactly yeah. it was, but like you should maybe not eat beef either, you know? Yeah. Coming from a Jamaican pork loving 
steak cooking dude you know who's who's, yeah i don't know he he didn't say how old he was at that time and i was curious about that but i thought that that was pretty amazing but then later colin said he kind of did the same thing with his daughter he like started eating chicken and fish partially to do that with her you know yeah yeah that's a those are versions of each other it's it's powerful stuff and the other thing that blew me away about his dad was him really really plainly without any judgment saying, Hey, if you're not going to be smart, you need to be strong. And, and <laughs> dude, I could, I mean, because of um, where I grew up, there was so much judgment or at least for my family, I'll say this for my family in particular, my mom in particular, uh, whom I love. Um, she would always say things like you need to get a degree. So you don't end up like that guy as we're driving down the highway and see construction workers on the side of the road. And and it was that kind of dig over and over again. And now, now that I'm adult, I'm looking at those guys on the side of the road going, that's honest work. They're making great livings. Like yeah, they, they're probably also going to school or saving to go to school too. Cause like, I feel like that, that happens or, so much. People work rough yeah. jobs so they can do what they want to do. Or, or, or the other thing is like they work their, their way up and they own the company. And some of the most successful people I know own construction companies or trade companies. Likewise. And, and it's like, you know, who, who vilified that? And, it, and it, his dad is like, no, be strong, learn a trade. And, and I don't know if you know this, but we're in a trade deficit. Like we're, we need welders, we need woodworkers. We need like all these trades that have been the backbone for the economy. Like people aren't doing it. And he, I love, I love his, that aspect from his dad. And I think that's a rat thing. And, and something I'm trying to get my kids to understand too. That's like trades are really important. And, and I want you to have a skill whether it's for work or just to have in your life so that you understand how things work and operate and, and feel capable on your own. So people can take advantage of it and ask you to do too many things (laughs) like they do for you. (laughs) It's going to create more problems. (laughs) You're very, being a very capable person with a pickup is like the worst thing a person could do if they wanted to just have some alone time. (laughs) Well, actually, you know, funny you say that because we also are teaching our kids how to say no. And how to say, like, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. And just because it seems more fun to be around somebody doesn't mean you need to, or that's the right thing. Well, that's one thing that when you were asking about superpowers, I was like, I would love my superpower to be to be able to say no, you know? Well, practice. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to go. practice. <laughs> go fuck yourself. That, was, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> felt right in my trap. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, another thing about him that I wanted to say while we were talking, but just didn't come up is he looks like he's about five different ages all at the same time. Yeah. He could be 30 or 50 or 25. You, you or know 55. what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, and, and I don't know if you caught any of his pictures on his Instagram, uh, Colin daring one-on-one dude, the dude is shredded. Well, I mean, I thought he was older. But then when we were looking at him today, I was like, that dude could be 30. Yeah, he's he is bad to the bone, man. But I have no fucking clue how old he is. Like he's ageless. He's probably ten thousand years old. He's probably been around, you know, he's probably seen empires rise and fall. I think part (laughs) I think part of that is is the vegan thing. I really do. I'm not vegan and I'm not a proponent of being vegan necessarily. Um, but wow, his he he his face looks fucking young man. yeah yeah i mean if and there's just, if there's a poster child or you know a, a, a spokesperson for a healthy lifestyle like you know the whole shebang 
this guy's it, man. Well, I don't know if that I would agree with that because I will fight you on this. This fight you. <laughs> no, well, I'm gonna go to our to our guy Steve Maxwell on this, and and I don't mean that dis in any way. Oh, we forgot to bring Steve Maxwell up. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I don't mean this to be di- like to say. Oh, I don't think he's the poster child for being healthy. Like obviously, he's extremely healthy. But yeah. the one place and the one place that I would maybe not challenge him or challenge you, but that I would just bring up as discussion is the movement that he does with the heavyweights that he does it with is seems to me that it would be really hard on the body at at, a, at some point in time. And I, yeah. I would have liked to have talked to him about that, but we were just talking about other stuff. You know, I was thinking about some of that uh, earlier because I, I um, in the climbing world, like part, there are parts of your bodies that take a lot of abuse, shoulders, forearms, fingers, right? Those are classic Okay. You know, so older climbers do end up with problems in those areas. Well, well here's what I got to say is there's plenty of older climbers that don't experience that. That was my point is that, that I think sometimes genetics is part of it. I think another part of it is just not taking care of yourself, like not drinking, eating all the right things Good and call. stretching all that stuff. Cause, cause there I, I was walking, you know, I live across the street from one of the best climbing gyms on the planet called planet granite unofficially my sponsor. Um, I spent hours now, you know, so many hours in there, but I was walking by, by there the other day and an older guy came out who is probably in his mid fifties. And I've seen that guy climb harder than any human I've seen climb in, in, in real life. Like I've seen people on videos do harder, but, but this is just some guy in his mid fifties that lives in Portland. I was thinking about him. I was like, holy shit. He's kind of a, you know, supernatural among normal people, this dude walking around yeah. and you would never know how capable he's, he is physically just looking at a guy on the street, but he, like, I've seen him climb and it's like, Oh geez, that's next, right. next, next level. It'd be, it's a good call. It, it, it probably, uh, I kind of wish we would have had the Steve Maxwell conversation with him now that I, now that we're getting into it because mm. Colin's not here to say what he would say about sure, this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because I don't, he looks amazing and he looks amazing, not just being uh fit, but his skin, you know, his I hair, know, like man. Yeah. His eyes, like he just looks very, Dude, he healthy. could also for sure be a model. Like if he wanted to, he could be like, go and, freaking be a runway model. And <laughs> a runway model. And, and yet I'm, I would have, I would like to ask him about his joint health. Yeah. And I also don't know if the stuff he does on his Instagram is the stuff he does every day. That might yeah. be because Steve Maxwell says that kettlebell practice and things like, especially the way that Colin does it would be, that's not the thing you do to stay in shape. That's the thing that you're doing as your performance. That's right. the thing that you enjoy. That's the thing you love. That's the thing that that's your jujitsu. That's your dance. That's the, you're climbing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would just be curious how his joint health is and, and right. If his joint health is really good, how much of that would have to do that he has an incredible diet, you know? Yeah. Steve Maxwell has an incredible diet, but Steve Maxwell also does a hell of a lot of jujitsu. Yep. Which can be really hard on your body. So own, hard, right? dude. It is. That's the one thing I'm a little bit hesitant to going back to the mat is like, it's mm. been really nice being injury free the last year <laughs> and not have these little like pain points all over my body yeah. from training or from practice or for not falling. Right. You know, and, and, um, I'm, and for, for, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, I've been, you know, the last two months or no, 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 no. I can't remember how long 
24 weeks, however many months that is, half a year, six months, that's what that is. Um, I've been doing like really kind of prehab workouts that have made me feel stronger than I've ever felt because it's all the shit that I ignored, like my shoulders yeah. and the stability and the, it's like stability stuff. Yeah. And I, and I uh, was doing a meditation the other night where I was scanning my body and talking to different parts of my body and, and like thanking my brain for working, thanking my side, you know, just thanking parts of my body. And then I got to my shoulders and I had to apologize to him for treating him like shit for so long. Mm. And I felt that I was like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. putting you through all this stuff and never took you seriously. Never treated you the way you should have been treated. Hmm. And, and Colin strikes me as the kind of guy who treats all of his body with a, a lot of respect, and a lot of, you know, like intentionality. I guess having not heard a lot of his message, if a person saw what he did. Okay. So like just for the listener, as, yeah. we, as we're like wrapping this up, Steve Maxwell is considered the father of American kettlebell. He essentially brought the kettlebell to America and was was the first, if not the first, one of the first to do that and to organize it into a workout situation yeah. in America. Yeah. And he has since left, like he is now no longer a proponent of the kettlebell as a workout that would maintain good health. He would, he's a proponent of, of the kettlebell if that's something you really enjoy doing. Yeah. But he would say you're probably doing it at the cost of your joints, depending on how you're doing it. Well, the way that, uh, the way that Colin moves the kettlebell, he's basically juggling the fucking thing. Like yeah. he does every, he's very tricky. And, it, and that's one I, of the things I've never amazing. tried a single one of his like tosses because. I mean, oh one, I live in an apartment. It would just shoot through the floor, and, you know, <laughs> keep on going. <laughs> so I would say that, like, it's kind of interesting that we've had yeah. both of these guys on the show because, you know, Colin does kettlebell in a way that I would think Steve Maxwell would say is, like, it really hard on the body. Yeah. And I know that Colin does it with good form and all that stuff. But I'm, I am I just would be curious what Colin would say about about the Steve Maxwell take and vice versa, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and if Colin uh, agrees, maybe that, we should no, have yeah. them both back on and like <laughs> battle each other about this stuff. Actually, I, I think really what it speaks to more than anything is like there, there are a thousand ways to skin a cat. And, and the, you know, when we were talking about diet earlier, I think different people have different diet requirements and, and some people can operate on pasta. No problem. For sure. Other people like they need special attention. Other people would sure. live off fucking eggplants all day long for some reason you know, it's very upsetting to my whole system for me to eat it. Yeah. And, and back to my point about like fitness, like the 55 year old dude who can climb way harder than I ever could dream of climbing. Yeah. Like there's just a lot of different ways to be. And, and I think that um, Steve's probably erring on the side of like longevity and on like uh, injury freeness and but probably does too. That's in his mission statement, longevity yeah. of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Colin is like, maybe, maybe he's just kind of a freak dude. Like he can do shit like, you know, normal mortals can. <laughs> or maybe yeah, he has a great diet. He has, you know, yep. Yep. A, a maybe he's doing a bunch of supportive stuff totally behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. Like we haven't yep. watched all this stuff. But then the other thing I was going to say, the reason I brought up Steve and all that stuff is that, is that 
if a person just went onto the internet and saw Colin and then tried to pick up a thing and do that stuff, they would probably fuck themselves up. Yeah, you know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> and yeah. so it's not a disparaging thing in yeah. any way against Colin. No. I just yeah. kind of wish we would have brought that topic up because we just had these two, essentially yeah. two elite kettlebellists on the show. Like, and yeah, uh, that's ah, funny. Yeah, we didn't even mean to, to do about. that. That's amazing. I know. Like, I I've know. never, I, anyways, anyways. Yeah. Hey, man, I know we could keep talking about this. I would, I trying to find some excuse to cut Colin back at cer- a certain point, And I'm kind of, maybe we should have like a health panel that, that uh, they all like, you know, talk about I, what I they think he would probably, you know, maybe a couple years down the line or something. He'd probably come talk to us again. He seemed yeah. like he really valued that conversation. That he's a good dude. That. Yeah, he's a good dude. And I'm not, I'm not actually not going to make him be on my <laughs> dude, virtual board of directors. Stuff like that, dude. <laughs> making people feel obligated right it's away like it's kind of a in the fun, world like... of consent that's your other that's your other uh your your um what do you call it? the alter ego that's another part of it man Some yeah stuff like that like, <laughs> i'm gonna make you <sighs> ronald you're a character sometimes uh i'm an idiot sometimes <laughs> in the words of the wolf this is the second time we quote pulp fiction on the same show that's pretty cool uh, just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. Oh, shit. That is such a good way to end this episode. Well done, man. Well done. You do have both, though. You are and have character. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks for thanks for also, um, you know, rolling with my very shitty jokes sometimes. <laughs> I'm testing them out. I, like, there's a part of me that wants yeah. to be funny and I'm trying them out. It's most of the time that it work. It's the rake. You know, you step on the yard, it just like shoots oh, up man. and hits me in the face. I've had some of those on these shows. I'm just like, wow, Daniel, you are, you're like, if so much of society wasn't supporting pe- people being alive, natural selection would take me out. <laughs> sometimes I have those moments. Oh, I, I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. We're going to keep going here. A hundred and ten percent, I would be dead <laughs> if I was born a hundred years ago. Like I would, I don't think I would have made it past childhood. I'm pretty sure Shut I would just up, be man. like, oh, you know, like there's the there's the baby gravestone, you know, and and there's little Ronnie. We never know who he who he was. <laughs> there's the baby gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been a baby grave. Oh my God. <laughs> That's dark, man. I, I mean, like look, it. dude, like, 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 you know, childhood mortality was really low. And I, 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 I was like, uh, born with, you know, breathing problems because all the mm. damn smokers around me and oh, all that shit. And it's I like, see. I see. you know, you're passing the buck though. Still you're kind of saying it on somebody else. A little, bit, a little bit. Well, dude, like, <laughs> Look, I mean, in one reality, we are the result of thousands and thousands and thousands of generations of the best survivors making it, right? Wow, good call. Right? And then at a certain point, modernity, technology, all that shit, let all of the other, like, (laughs) things that should have been, like, wiped out, right? Like, if we had let... (laughs) They're now having kids. They're having kids. Wow. And and I'm going to be like, my my parents and grandparents, like, there's some of them. Like, they should have. Like, like, like there's... (laughs) I love them. I love them. But, dude, if you had set us off, like, if you had set those people off in the wilderness to try to survive on their own, hell no. 
No, <laughs> they would have luckily, not made it. Luckily, they're still supported by those. That what created them was still the thousands of generations of survivors. So totally, it's going to take a while before you get like Mongol Ronald, who you know, Mongol Ronald. Dude, I I I appreciate. It. I I hope I hope I do have a little bit of Mong. I definitely have some Neanderthal in me, which is a little little tiny bit, which is bad job <sighs> on my side. What hey, a delight. This, this is a delight. This is super good. I'm going to end this. Thank you, Daniel. I love you. you um, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for uh, helping me to refine myself as iron sharpens iron. So women. So one, so one man sharpens another. How I'm going to hang on to that one. I'm not giving how, that one up. How lead graphite Get the fuck out of here, Daniel. Stop <laughs> that shit. Don't ruin my good quote. Jeez, thousands of years of proverbs and wisdom, and you're trying to come up with a better one. <laughs> lead sharpens lead. It's how lead graphite, a graphite pencil. Stop. Graphite. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm cutting you off. Cut you off. You're cut. <laughs>